Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So let me give you this one, two, three punch that's out there. And we start in Tampa. You should spend some time in Tampa Bay. I lived in Tampa Bay twice uh, in, in my life. Good cigars, Tampa Bay, Ybor City. Can I say what? It's so good. Uh, the uh, Tampa police chief has resigned. All right. Police chief resigns. What's the story? The story is that the chief... Her name is Mary O'Connor, is driving a golf cart. It's Florida, people. It's Florida. They get pulled over by a Pinellas County deputy for driving a golf cart without a license plate. No tag on the golf cart. Now, I, I will admit to you, I don't understand how... This is like a norm, but this is more and more. And also, it's Florida, right? Uh, they they have different rules. But they're just driving along in a golf cart. And some of them you can really trick out, and it's crazy money. So the chief of police and her husband get pulled over. And she decides um, to say, hey, is your... Uh, is your camera on? And then flashes her badge and is like, um, I'm hoping you'll just let us go tonight. The only thing you can't do is say, hey, I'm, I'm a cop, so I get a break. And it was on the body camera. And that's the end of her career. I would never want my personal mistake to stand in the way of progress uh, I have made in mending the relationship between the police department and the community. So for that, I am resigning. Whether I'm wearing a badge or not, my commitment to service and oath of office will remain a part of my everyday life. I plan to use this time to reflect and spend time with my family and children before moving on to any future endeavors. It's the only thing you can't do. You're driving a golf cart without a license plate on it. I'm not a lawyer, but allow me to ask you. You let me know on Twitter, Tony Katz, or, or you can just send me an email, Tony at TonyKatz.com. What do you think the fine is? By the way, she wasn't driving, her husband's driving. What do you think the fine is for not having the tag on the golf cart? I mean, let's take a step back. Why don't you have a tag on the golf cart if the, if the golf cart needs a tag? Nah, we'll leave that for another time. What do you think the fine is? Is it 40 years in a Russian gulag being Brittany Griner's roommate? No. It's Pinellas County, Florida. It's it's $142? I'm asking. I'm close, right? It's nothing but nothing but nothing. That's insane that you would think for that moment, you'll just flash your badge. What an absolutely foolhardy thing to do. I don't fire her for thinking she's special. I fire her for being dumb.
moves over to Idaho. Where for people in Indiana, this is, I think, there, there's a bit of connection to the story for what has happened in Delphi and the murder of uh, Abby Williams and Libby German, these two teenage girls, and it taking five years to be charges brought against someone, a guy by the name of Richard Allen, who is claiming not only innocence, but his lawyers are saying rather aggressively, you have the wrong guy. And then there was a story about whether or not this murder case was problematic because they had this, they knew about this guy, Richard Allen, five years ago, and then they forgot. And then there was the claim, there was a clerical error, and then the FBI came out to say, there was no clerical error, what are you talking about? Oh, they were quick to that one because some people were claiming that an error made this uh, this interview they did with this guy kind of like disappear or get lost, whatever the case may be. And so that's why they had forgotten about him. And then somebody in just doing some review found it. They were reviewing things like, oh, yeah, don't you remember that guy we talked to? And so I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Ooh, maybe he's a suspect. And so it, it looks really, really bad. And the FBI was like, nothing. There was no clerical error. Stop it. Um well, here you are in Idaho. These four people are murdered. And yet other people were sleeping in the house, heard nothing, and nothing happened to them. And uh, the police are like, yeah, we have no idea. And then you start learning that all the injuries aren't the same. As has been reported, News Nation with the story, one of the stabbing victims her injuries were, quote, significantly more brutal than her best friends. There were two friends. They were both killed. It's been three weeks. They have absolutely no clue who did this. At least they're not telling us how they get in the house, how they get out of the house, how did it happen, how did the roommate sleep through it? As is being described by a former FBI and CIA agent, some of the ways that we can know that this is a target attack is in the manner in which some of these victims were killed. And I want to be sensitive, obviously, to these parents and to their victim, friends and family. But what you might see in a situation like this is sort of a gross overkill of one victim versus the others who may be simply just gotten in the way. And I believe that's what her father is referring to because it's this girl's father who's like, uh, let's be clear, uh, the, these two girls were killed much differently. Like... Parents are talking, and I think that's got to be a problem for the police. But it is impossible to think in today's world that anybody can get away with anything. Everything's recorded. Everything's got video. Everything everywhere is being watched at every second of every day. How is it possible? How is it possible? That someone can get away with this. And what happens is that people go to, maybe the police are just incompetent. Maybe these prosecutors are just incompetent. I mean, OJ was not guilty. OJ? OJ did it. I'm not a lawyer. That is a free man today. But if you ask me while we're sitting on a bar stool, sipping on some rye, smoking a cigar... OJ did it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that was a, a thing that I couldn't say. 
I should just have Norm McDonald on a loop at that stage of the game. My take. And when they couldn't get that through, they couldn't get that handled. My gosh. Just a, a, a an amazing, amazing example of what I think people would refer to as incompetence. And there's a question in the Indiana case about this idea of incompetence. People feeling like this this has taken too long. You, how do you not have it? Five years, somebody missed the interview. They did it. They forgot about it. And then minds explode. Boom. Just brains explode. Three weeks, four people murdered two people in the house, or was it maybe more, who were asleep, and you don't know? You don't know? That's nuts. And then it's China. China has hackers who stole $20 million in COVID-19 benefits. Secret Service officials have identified a group called Apartment 41, APT 41. They're also known by the name Wicked Panda which I'm pretty sure is is uh, their, their handle on Tinder. Um, as a notable player, they've been identified in many of the hundreds of ongoing investigations into COVID-19 relief funds. Chinese state-sponsored cyber threat group that is highly adept at conducting espionage, espionage missions and financial crimes for personal gain. $20 million. So I believe the only response is to add a zero to that and take $200 million off the debt we owe China. Uh, these th- Give me one reason why I should care about paying the debt back to China. F these people. You stole. You steal already. You steal trade secrets. You steal intellectual property. Now you stole $20 million. The problem is that $20 million could have really helped a lot of people in the United States. So because you stole it, we add a penalty to it. And that penalty is another zero. You steal $60 million, it becomes $600 million. You steal $20 million, it becomes $200 million. Now we could add two zeros to it. We don't mind. We'll add all the zeros we want. But for now, the $20 million becomes $200 million. And you take it off the debt that we owe China and tell them they got it. Congratulations. They decided to take it uh, this way. They basically went the J.C. Wentworth way. They took the $20 million cash as opposed to the $200 million over time. Okay. That's fine. But we equate it to $200 million and that's it. I swear to you, every now and then, I consider a run for office just to be able to have these conversations and to watch uh, the rest of the members of Congress or the Senate just pucker right up. I'm talking about fighting. I'm talking about fighting some brutal, awful people who think they could steal from us and get away from it, get away with it. I think that should be responded to. I think it should be responded to with force. Meanwhile, Colombia's got a plan for the people who are in the United States, and it involves you just dealing with whether they're here legally or not. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. I need another story, something to get off my chest. My life gets kind of boring. 
House continues. At least five GOP members say they will not vote for Kevin McCarthy to be speaker, despite <clears throat> McCarthy winning the nomination with 85% of the vote. And because the margin is so narrow in the House, five defections could actually be enough to elect a Democrat speaker. Democrats wasted no time and expended no drama picking a leader of their own to replace Nancy Pelosi, Hakeem Jeffries from New York. So who will be the next Speaker of the House? Who are these Republican House members who will not support their nominee? What do they want? Why didn't they run themselves? Are they really willing to risk a Democrat Speaker? Well, yeah, they're at least willing to risk it to the point, Trey Gowdy, where they can try and get some concessions from Kevin McCarthy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Um, the Freedom Caucus is um, absolutely willing to try. They're absolutely willing to try and as is pointed out uh the freedom caucus is going to have a tremendous amount of power kevin mccarthy is not going to have a a a great time i'm very okay with kevin mccarthy not having a, a great time now mccarthy you would think on paper has got this Republicans control the House. He won the internal vote of the conference, 188 to 31, over Andy Biggs of Arizona. If Republicans do what they need to do, which is 218 of them say yes, well, then McCarthy is the Speaker of the House, and that's the end of the ballgame. But there are some Republicans saying, well, if we're going to vote for him, we might as well get what we want. And you know what? He really doesn't have the leadership. He doesn't have the strength. He's an establishment kind of dweeb. And uh, and we don't need this. We don't need this and we don't want this. So why don't we not vote for him? At least say so uh, publicly and try and get out of him what we can. Some of the things they want is uh, a level of rules change in terms of how legislation is either written or how it's introduced, the amount of time that's needed before votes could take place, making sure that people actually read uh, such things. This is uh, interesting because it plays a little bit into what we see vis-a-vis uh, -vis Israel. And the Knesset, where you have Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, who will be returning as prime minister, because his party got the most amount of votes, but not enough votes to have control of the Senate. 120 members, you need 61 seats to have control. And so you end up doing that by creating coalitions. Five people from this group and 11 people from that group, and sometimes three people from this group. And it gives them a tremendous amount of power because if the prime minister doesn't do some of the things that they want well then that's the end of that's the end of the prime minister they pull their support and then you have another election and it's israel there's an election every seven seconds so the question will be what is it that the freedom caucus wants well, one of the things they're going to want is not raising the debt limit, not raising uh, the, the, the ceiling, the debt ceiling, and putting uh, some brakes on the level of spending.
of course, they'll be told that they're extremists and they're shutting down the government, to which someone like Jim Jordan needs to walk up to Hakeem Jeffries in the face and tell him to shut it. You're spending money we don't have, and I'm the extremist? Hey, Representative Jeffries. Hey, Hakeem. Go to hell. Now, you do that, you win re-election, by the way. And not only does he have to do that, but he has to do that while Hakeem Jeffries, who will be the leader of the Democrats, is on CNN. While the camera is rolling, he's got to do that. And if you do that... You can start setting some things right. And, of course, you'll be told how awful you are and how terrible, and you should be censured by the House. Blah, 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 blah. Do it. Do I believe that the Freedom Caucus is right on everything? No. The only person who I believe is right on everything? Me. <laughs> That's usually the way it works. Right? Usually you're like, well, like, me and Jesus. Like, that's it. That's everybody else totally messed up. Me and Jesus, we got to figure it out. And more people would listen to me and Jesus. That's the way people usually think about these things. So how much strength will the Freedom Caucus have uh, in this? Uh, The answer is a fair amount. Is the Freedom Caucus going to get everything they want? Well, no. Because deals will be made to um, get Kevin McCarthy the speaker position, and then um, deals will be broken, because that's what is. It's a question, and uh, it certainly, if if you screw over the House Caucus on becoming speaker, you uh, you'll have to deal with the consequences. I am not the biggest McCarthy fan. I think he's better than he was, actually. But I'm not there. I could have gone for somebody stronger and been super happy about it. That's not the way it went down. Then again, these are the people who, in leadership, went for Tom Emmer, who was responsible for getting Republicans elected to the House, failed miserably, and they voted for him for leadership over Congressman Jim Banks in the Indiana 3rd District, who's the chair of the Republican Study Committee. That doesn't make any sense at all. No sense whatsoever. So I I consider this uh, party leadership a wee bit of wishy-washy. I am not... I am not convinced of their... uh, their strength just yet. But the Freedom Caucus has an opportunity. Kevin McCarthy's got to deal with them. But I don't think the Republican Party is willing to uh, put any part of the Speaker's position in the Democrat hands. Although it'd be fascinating. It would be fascinating. This is Tony Katz today. So let me give you now the part two of the story about Twitter. The facts that, yes, Twitter worked uh, to suppress information, to stop the Hunter Biden laptop story from getting out into the world, the New York Post reporting. They actually applied the same rules to the New York Post story that they do to child porn. 
Can't even share the links. The links will be disabled. Even though the story was completely legitimate, Twitter's decided it was part of their hacked materials policy, even though nothing was hacked. They had no proof of this, yet there was a letter signed by 51 pseudo-intellectual progressives, all with fancy titles, to say that this had all the hallmarks of Russian information, Russian misinformation, when, of course, none of that was true. They're liars. This is who they are. And you note, uh, when watching this story, if we want to know what the big bombshell is, is that for the political left, the ends justify the means. They don't believe in free speech. They don't value it, and they don't mind silencing people who disagree with them. The vast majority of people who work at Twitter on the left, the vast connections came from the political left, including Joe Biden's campaign, and that's why they were able to get so much done about preventing people like you and me from speaking. And yet there are people out there who will ignorantly state, well, that's not the government getting involved. The Democratic Party getting involved and you're not bothered? You can take that sophist argument and you can shove it somewhere very, very special. Because that's the place it deserves to be shoved. But let's continue a little bit of this story here. While this is going on and while Elon Musk has control of Twitter, it should be noted that advertisers are returning. Everybody who said that the advertisers were leaving and jumping ship and nobody wants to be a part of Twitter and Elon Musk is ruining this thing, he doesn't have the business acumen, he doesn't know what he's doing, they're coming back. Amazon is going to resume advertising on Twitter for $100 million a year. But we were told that Twitter wouldn't uh, survive the weekend. We were told. Remember, it was just a couple weeks ago. This was, it was a Thursday. It's the last night for Twitter because they're having the big layoffs and everything's going to be done and over. Twitter can't survive. It turns out Twitter survived. It turns out that the people who are telling us this seem to, well, all say the same thing. Like there's never an independent thought that comes to them. When Matt Taibbi put out what is being referred to as the Twitter files, this explanation of what Twitter had been doing to keep uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story, the laptop he left at a Delaware computer shop he abandoned there. Everything that was on that, all the connections showing Hunter and his father in Ukraine and China. Remember, they don't want this story to happen. So uh, a funny thing took place when Matt Taibbi wrote the story. Matt Taibbi is, is, is not a conservative. But you would think he was from the level of which to which he is now being attacked by people on the left. Oh, the left wants to absolutely positively destroy him. Just abuse him and rip him apart. Because, well, he's not acceptable. Matt Taibbi can't be expect, uh, acceptable. And certainly, Elon Musk, this is uh, a guy uh, over at Rolling Stone, 
if Musk is willing to weaponize internal Twitter privileged and confidential do- confidential documents for political purposes, imagine what he might do with y'all's DMs. Whoa. You're a journalist and you said this? He's weaponizing internal privileged and confidential documents? He owns the company. He can do anything he damn well pleases with the company. And if you had access to these things, are you saying to me, uh, his name's Tim uh, Dickinson, you wouldn't publish them? If you had access to these things, you wouldn't publish them because it would be weaponizing privileged and confidential documents? Let's say you were given Trump's tax returns. Would you, would you, would you publish those? It's privileged. It's confidential. It would be done for political purposes. He can't hear me. He's already working on publishing them. These reporters are full of garbage. These aren't journalists. These are propagandists on the payroll of their friends. That's it. Unserious pseudo-intellectual people. Called out rightfully so. Something else happened. Here's Mehdi Hassan. Mehdi Hassan over there at NBC stated... Imagine volunteering to do online PR work for the world's richest man on a Friday night in service of a nakedly and cynically right-wing narrative and then pretending you're speaking truth to power. Wow, it's a statement about Matt Taibbi from Mehdi Hassan. And then there's Ben Collins of NBC. Imagine throwing it all away to do PR work for the richest person in the world. Humiliating blank. Huh. That's very similar to what Mehdi Hassan said, but you know what? They're both at NBC. That's fine. Here's Matt McDermott. Matt Taibbi always was and still remains a fraud. Doing PR for the richest person in the world should come as no surprise. Um, um, PR? Richest person in the world? I don't know who Simon Owens is. From calling Goldman Sachs a vampire squid to giving free PR to the world's richest billionaire, man, what a career journey. All right. All right. This is now four people saying PR and richest man in in the world. Oh, I've got more. It's as if there was a email chain or a text alert that says, here's how you attack Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk. Call it PR. Make sure you mention he's the richest person in the world so we can attack him via class. And we'll call that good journalism. It's not journalism. If you ever want to know if the journalist is back, here you go. Um, I don't have time to. I can't. There's just not enough time to explain the journalist. You may have to look that one up. The response from these pseudo-intellectuals is just remarkable in that they are unabashed in their desire to destroy. And they want to destroy. They are so angry that they don't control Twitter anymore. They'll say anything. They will say anything to destroy anyone When it comes to this platform, this was MSNBC, and they actually brought somebody on from Media Matters. Seem to be all right with that. It blows my mind, truly. So, Angela, I'm going to let you jump in and have the final word. 
Yeah, the thing I would say is some things, you know, I think there's two directions to, to the big question of what do we do about it. One is some things you can't fix, but you can mitigate the harms. Um, so that's the first thing we have to recognize, that there is some mitigations that can happen. As you know, there's an advertiser sort of po push, which I don't think fixes or prevents it entirely, but what it does do is control the speed dial for how fast things and how bad things could get, how fast they could get. So that's one thing, is sort of using that as a way to slow down some of it. And then the second thing is, what are the types of takeaways here that can be, get, that can be prevented? Because this stuff is going to spill over to other platforms. And what I'm really worried about, like just today, Elon Musk is bragging advertisers are coming back when in fact they're not. And what I worry is that at some point this becomes so normalized that the industry starts to adapt and roll back a lot of their types of policies and preventions and protections around this type of extremism and hate, which then raises the temperature elsewhere. So I think we have to make sure that the other platforms don't get worse as a consequence of the type of work and sort of unwinding that he's doing at So. Elon Musk is exposing how Twitter silenced people and is working to not silence people, and that evil can spread, and we can't have that. This from a guy at Media Matters for America that was developed to destroy Fox News, and they will lie about anything. When you are... You, you, when you desire to be vicious 24-7 and lose all your humanity, you get a job at Media Matters. That's, that's what you do. The destruction of Elon Musk, the destruction of Matt Taibbi, all for sharing stories about the level of ugly that was taking place. We used to applaud whistleblowers. Those days are over. But then there's this story that everybody's talking about, and they'll tell you it's the most important story in America. It's the story of Donald Trump. Because Trump decided to uh, make a statement. Hello. Hey, sir, how are you? Uh, President Trump is not happy that everything that showed up in the uh, Twitter files proves that Twitter was working to throw an election. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to get their guy elected, and they didn't care about free speech. They didn't care about thumb on the scale. They don't give a damn. The ends justify the means. That's today's political left. But Trump tweets out, actually he puts out on Truth Social. So with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception and working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? <sighs> Again, with this idea of installing a president, like we're going to somehow install Carrie Lake as governor of Arizona, I would have rathered Carrie Lake. But there is no system in the United States for installing anyone. We don't have it. It doesn't exist. But Trump continues. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. They wouldn't throw out the Constitution either. This is a bad bit of social media posting. Now, you can argue that the election was screwed. You can argue that Twitter put their thumb on the scale. I absolutely agree with you. And the only way to fight is to fight. 
which is why I have stated you have to do ballot harvesting. You have to do early voting. You have to cure ballots. You have to fight the way they fight. I don't want any early voting at all. I believe early voting is a massive, massive problem. It creates the opportunity for fraud. But I'm not getting rid of any articles in the Constitution. And if Donald Trump thinks really thinks I should, Donald Trump's a fool. End of list. The problem, of course, is not just Trump. Because what Trump has done here is that he has, for many people who were still willing to hold on post Kanye Nick Fuentes, all right, I'm out. You still think we can install people? You think you got to get rid of parts of the Constitution? I'm done here. I'm done here. Now, you want to put forth an amendment to change this? You want to put forth an amendment to change that? The Constitution is there for you. We have to get rid of parts of it. Is I is saying I know best, and I don't believe he does best, although there clearly are issues, and we should be doing something about them. You don't do something about them by a termination of articles in the Constitution. To even say it makes you look like a damn fool. And to everybody who wants to say, oh, Tony, you don't understand. He's playing four-dimensional chess. No, he's not. He's playing checkers by himself. It wasn't a smart thing to say. So why don't we all just grow up and deal with that? Luckily, though, there's the Democrat Party which stunningly outdoes the ignorance. Because you had the Democrats saying uh, about Trump, they're they're all going to come out and they're going to, they're going to defend the constitution. What do they say? The constitution is sacrosanct. I'm 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 sorry. What? It's sacrosanct. S A C R O S A N C T regarded as sacred. Beyond alteration, criticism, or interference. And this is what the Democrats said. They put this out there. That the Constitution Here it is. Here is what White House spokesman Andrew Bates said. You cannot only love America when you win. The American Constitution is a sacrosanct document that for over 200 years has guaranteed that freedom and the rule of law shall prevail in our great country. Attacking the Constitution and all it stands for is anathema to the soul of our nation. Fantastic. Why is Joe Biden constantly attacking the Second Amendment? You just told me that the Constitution is sacrosanct. I gave you the definition. Beyond alteration, criticism, or interference, especially due to religious sanction, the Second Amendment to the Constitution is very, very clear. 
a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yet I have Joe Biden every day saying we got to limit this, you can't have that, and how dare you have this, and these gun manufacturers are just sickos for building those semi-automatic weapons. So they don't believe it. And they should be mocked seriously for it. They don't give a damn about the Constitution. They will get rid of any part of the Constitution they need to any second of the day in order to get what they need done. Look what they just did with Twitter. Are you not listening? The ends justify the means for these people. I'm not about to listen to them lecture. But I'm not about to sit by and be like, okay, uh, Donald Trump, no. Stop talking, President Trump. Man, your 2024 chances are looking rougher every day. I'm Tony Katz. Remind me, I got to do this LeBron story. Ryan, are you in tomorrow? Are you working tomorrow, Ryan? I am not. Uh, see, we're, we're rotating through. Every, everybody's trying out. I don't. I, I've I've got to make a decision on on what we're going to do here on on the producer side. I got to do this LeBron story where he's calling out the press for not asking him about something that happened with Jerry Jones when Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, was fourteen. It's like I'm surprised the whole story didn't get more coverage, and not just what happened at the first a photo, but what LeBron said about oh, it's. You want to talk about digging for it. I, 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 I will share the story tomorrow, I promise. I absolutely, positively promise that I will do it. Because to me, it's, it's just one of those, are, are we looking to work with each other or are we looking to prove how woke we are by destroying the other? And it very much seems it's the latter. I've got that story. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.